Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, where we talk with cloud leaders from commercial enterprises to the public sector, hearing their perspectives on innovation at scale when it comes to people, culture, and organization. My name is Jake Burns. I'm an enterprise strategist with Amazon Web Services. I'm back with Dave Bartoletti from Forrester, and we're, this session we're going to talk about uh, how cloud can have a positive impact on both IT and the company culture. I think that's really interesting because I think a lot of people uh, focus so much on IT, what cloud does for IT. But um, in my experience, uh, it really changes your entire business. It really does. I think, and it starts with how IT works. Right? And, and, and I think this is what we've seen now after a decade of this, the most exciting shift um, I think the cloud has had on sort of traditional IT operations. Um, we touched on it a little bit the last couple of times we talked, and automation is one way to look at it. But what automation really lets you do is rethink the processes that you've had in place for a long time. One way I like to look at applications for the past 15 to 20 years is we've been buying applications whether they're business applications or IT applications, to basically codify processes we already had, right? So we buy monitoring tools because we need to know when to kick off a process to go fix something, right? Or to go see if there's a problem. Um, we buy performance management tools to feed into our, our, our existing performance management processes. Um, what we're finding now is that with cloud, People can look at all of the different processes they use to run IT, and they're seeing benefits from speed, but more importantly, so it feels good to deliver faster, right? It makes you feel good about your job when you get to a result that doesn't take three to six months. Maintaining excitement about our project is really hard. Mm -hmm. um, seeing an instant result in a couple of weeks gives you a boost, so there's speed. The second thing is meeting your deadlines. Right. So when IT can meet commitments, who are the people we always want to work with? Right. Are the ones that, that promise something at the end of next week and get it relatively right. at the end of next week to us. They're the easiest people to work with. Um, and then fundamentally automation, feeling the benefit of automation, meaning um, it, it's hard to step back and say, what is the value of automation to the business? Well, the value of automation to the business is almost always measured in reduced failure rates, right? right? That we, we are able to respond consistently. And so automation is about consistency and failure rates. So what we really find is that with each successive move into public cloud, people actually start going a little bit faster each time, right? They, mm -hmm. they meet that aggressive deadline better the next right. time they try something. And, and, and so, oh, and, and they automate out sort of these, these error prone or mundane tasks, right? When you're saying that, you know, cloud has this great shared security model. Um, so on the one hand, that means you're not doing, you're not doing checks that you were doing every day of core infrastructure or, or perimeter security or things like that, because that's being handled for you by, by AWS. The, the benefit of not having to do that shows up in people's job satisfaction and that bubbles up in culture. Oh, absolutely. I think sometimes, sometimes when people say, look, cloud is, is still a threat to me. Um, I'm an Oracle DBA and I've been one for 20 years and that's what I'm good at. And that's how my business values me. Right? Um, or I've been a you know, Linux admin 
for the past 15 or 20 years. That's what I'm good at. That's how the business values me, right? You turn around and say, well, what if we change this idea of how the business values you, right? Right. Would, would, would that maybe change your interaction with your job? If, if, if we started rewarding people um, for moving faster, for trying things, for failing sooner, then I think um, it's a sort of combination with change in rewards and all of those core process cultural improvements that we see enabled by public cloud that is, is giving people a real boost in their, in their emotional quotient about their job. What do you think? Well, I, I've got to see this firsthand. First, you know, at Live Nation, um, I saw my own my own team transform. And you know, let's be honest, patching servers and dealing with Oracle databases it's not it's not a fun time, right? I mean, you know, yeah, you might have job security, but you're not enjoying your day to day. You're typically punching a clock and just wanting to go home and waiting for the weekend, right? But what I got to see was, you know the the kind of transformation of these the, my team from people who did that to people who actually worked with new technology and was able to deliver things quickly was able to f- meet their commitments and their promises um, you know a, a funny thing about uh, meeting your commitments it's a habit right you start doing it and you start doing it more the more you do it right and uh, you get momentum on your side and momentum could go either way you could have bad momentum or you have good momentum once you start getting good momentum you start delivering wins. Um, and, uh, like I always say, like when you're starting on your cloud journey, I say, pick the easy stuff first, because you want to start, you want to build up confidence within your own team that's doing it. And, um, within the business so people are looking at you and saying, is this going to work? So string together a series of wins and see what happens. And generally speaking, good things happen because, you know, you get momentum on your side and it's kind of hard to, hard to change that momentum once it's, once it's going. So, you know, I saw that I also go ahead. I was just going to add to that point and say it, it also gives people sometimes something to brag and boast about within the organization. And marketing the skills of IT is something we or marketing the value of IT is something that IT has always been really bad at, right? Because they're increasingly treated as a, as a cost center. Yep. Just keep shaving costs off. Don't let anything fail. And, you know, keep the engine running downstairs. Well, if you can turn this around and say... You might not even know what a DBA is, and you might not even know what a Linux admin is, but let me show you this project I just built mm-hmm. that let the business transform a little faster. It even, even for introverts, right, that don't want to go out and market themselves to other people, it sort of gives them a default way to do that. Sure. And, and even introverts want to be appreciated, right? So um, it, it's hard to be appreciated when nobody knows how what you're doing is, is, is valuable to the organization. Right. And so, you know, we had people running cables in the data center and racking servers and I, you know, I don't think they enjoyed their job. They did it right. But it was a thankless job in a sense. They might've been for all they know. And this was true in some circumstances, which is kind of embarrassing, but they're running cables and stacking servers for no reason for, for things that would never get used. Right. And so going from that to getting a request from somebody in the business who has an idea and doesn't think we could do it, but if we could just stand it up in a week and try it, we might be successful. And being able to deliver on that and then be a part of a big win, not an IT win, but a business win. I mean, that's that's game changing in terms of how people feel about themselves, how enthusiastic they are about their job. And, you know, um, I mean, we talk about retaining people and how expensive it is to recruit and retain people. I think moving to cloud is one of the best ways to uh both recruit and retain. And it's kind of paradoxical because people think, oh, cloud engineers are hard to recruit. And that's true because they're in demand. But if you could take your existing team and upskill them, give them a reason to not leave, 
right? If you keep giving them interesting projects and you keep funding their education and they're becoming more valuable um, and you're appreciating them, they're going to stay with you. That was my experience. Uh, my most proudest, my proudest metric is that I kept every single one of my team throughout the entire cloud journey and several years afterwards. And the way I did it was through that. I didn't give them more money. You know, um, they deserved more money, right? I would just have the, I didn't have the ability to give them more money. What I did is I gave them a better experience. And the, instead of punching a clock, I would come in on the weekend, I would see them. You know, I would work in the evening and I would see them. They wanted to be there and they wanted to do this work. Our research, we have a whole body of research at Forrester as well into employee experience, right? Which we think is is becoming as important as customer experience to the long-term health and viability of enterprises mm. is um, it is important to have happy employees. And, and one of the, there's a whole bunch of indicators of happiness. Um, uh, the ones that bubble up to the top consistently are about giving me the tools I need to be successful. So if people feel like they're asked to do a job and they're given the wrong tools, mm -hmm. You know, it goes all the way back to, it could go back to construction, right? You, you you tell me to build this wonderful house and then you tell me I have to use, you know, broken power tools to do it. You know, you've already, you, you, you hobbled me, right? Yeah. So I think cloud addresses that need by giving them some of the most fun tools to work with <laughs> technology pretty easily, right? Um, you know, look at how simple it could be. I've been trying to do, you know, high performance computing and I, I just keep begging for more and more infrastructure. Look what I could get on demand for a little while, right? If I could get access to it. The second thing that comes up over and over again is feeling like what you are doing has an impact on the business. And, and that applies to everybody. That's what you were just talking about. Does, does what I'm doing, moving this stuff to the cloud, that could just sound pedestrian, I'm getting stuff out of the data center, if, if I feel that's directly valued by the business. Um, and, and I think the third thing is <laughs> that you have management that clears the path rather than throwing stumbling blocks in front of you over and over again. And that, that's where I think that that's where the organizational um, the organizational changes are really important, right? And and we hear we hear this over and over again. This idea of um, we are really good in IT at delivering projects. We've gotten really good at them, right? And we have huge project portfolio management teams, right? And we get to a point where, hey, my storage performance is great. All my database queries are executing really well, right? My 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 my. CICD fully automated DevOps team can make 15 changes a day to the code and we can push them automatically into production and no one likes our app. So the whole team mentality is just dead, even though we're all delivering successfully on our projects. So I think being able to bring everybody on the team much closer to the instant feedback you get right when you think about what you're delivering as product. So I'm not a DBA. Um, I am a DBA on our mobile app team, right? Or, or on our, you know, new consumer product development team, right? That, that's what I'm managing storage for is, is, you know, for, for a new Android phone or a new iPhone, right? Or a new Chime device or, a new, or, or something else someone's going to stick in my home. Um, and I think writ larger, some of the earliest uh, large companies that made significant commitments to the cloud were doing it as much to transform IT as they were to transform the kind of business they were. 
Uh, you, you, you've worked with the Capital One team forever and they, and they, what they say consistently and they haven't stopped is, you know, you don't work for the IT department of a bank. You work for a technology company that happens to sell credit cards. We have to be a nimble company, which means we might be selling insurance tomorrow. You know, we might be selling cat food. Who knows at what point we're going to have to shift the business again. So you work for a tech company. And, and I don't think every company has the flexibility to get there right away. But if they start inculcating that into new product teams, that starts to spread like wildfire throughout the company. Right. We're talking about give, giving people a purpose that's actually relevant, right? And and seeing kind of what the what the work output becomes when you arm people with that, right? Because if they if they have a purpose that's uh, ambiguous or it's just uh, we're doing IT for IT's sake, you know, look, people are happy to have a job, but they don't feel good about themselves, you know. So if they can be part of a larger win, a business win, they could say that was my project, I contributed to that project. And by the way, this agility, this ability to move quickly, you know. Um, it's 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 scientifically proven that you know uh, feedback has to be quick for it to be effective, right? We don't learn when the consequences are a year later or two years later. You might not even work for the company anymore, but when the consequences are immediate or even like the next day, um, people get smart very quickly. And uh, there's something about self improvement. <laughs> It, well, something else we can learn from dog training. <laughs> We're both dog lovers, right? Don't, it's the first oh, thing yeah. they teach you when you train a dog is that if you wait, and dogs are not as smart as we are. So you have to, you have to reward or um, redirect mm -hmm. within moments right. of something happening or it's just useless, yep. right? And, and the same thing applies to us, but on a longer scale. I mean, I can wait till the end of the month to get rewarded. And I'll still remember <laughs> what, what I did right. It, it doesn't have to happen. The moment I but the quicker the better, right? Have an accident. Yeah, the quicker the better, and 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 by the way, you get more cycles of learning in that way, right? So if I can if I can do thirty things this week instead of one thing this year, I'm going to learn a lot more, right? I'm going to fail a lot more. But here's the here's the big secret: successful people fail more often than unsuccessful people because they do more, they try more, they learn. Well, faster. and don't you think it also shows? Uh... It shows a shift in respect for your people because what you're saying to the people that work for your organization is, I value your intelligence and your ability to be a fast learner. Mm. I don't value this one particular IT skill that you've developed. Right. Um, I, I, we still do. Obviously, we value it. But what I value more right, is your, your mind. I value your creativity, that, that, that you're willing to learn something new, your flexibility, um, and, and I think what that comes from, so there, there were three things that came out in the work that we did for AWS, right, about how, how cultures really change. And the, the ones that really showed the most significant improvement after people had used the public cloud for a while were transparency, accountability, and efficiency. Mm -hmm. So let's drill into each one of these, right? We talked about a little bit on our first podcast, this idea of transparency, but something as simple as our software project status is transparent to the rest of the organization. How it goes right back to what we were talking about at the beginning here. Even if I'm not marketing good at marketing myself, if everybody else can see what I'm doing, I don't have to spend as much time marketing myself. Yep. Yep. And it takes kind of, it takes away the bureaucracy, right? You can still have bureaucracy in place, but you know, if you have the power to do something that the business can see, all of a sudden you're incentivized to do good things, right? You're not just kind of buried at the bottom of the org chart doing things that nobody can see, right? So it incentivizes you to get better, right? right? Exactly. You can complain that that's right. When you're in a fishbowl, 
Why did we go to open plan offices? Why did we go to fishbowl conference rooms? Mm -hmm. When everything you're doing is, is, is out in the open, number one, we tend to be more honest. Yep. With what we're doing, right? We tend to, to, to have secrets. But the second thing is we also tend to collaborate better because you can stand up and look for that person across the hall rather than going down the hall and seeing if they're in their office and they're not there. You can save time by just, oh, I know they're not over there. I can ask them tomorrow when they come back. You can, of course, we, we always tend in America and everywhere else to lurch too far to the other side and change everything. <laughs> so yeah, there are a lot of problems with open plan offices too. And I'm sure there are some downsides to transparency, but we saw a 30% jump in, in, in self-reported levels of transparency across the organization for companies that had really broadly embraced the public cloud. Right. That's huge. Yeah. And of course, not every idea is going to be a home run, but the point is you have to try them, right? Try the open office, try the fishbowl. Let's see if it works. If it doesn't work, go back, right? You know, and that's kind of what we're talking about with agility and how cloud powers agility. It allows you to experiment at low cost creates what we call an Amazon two-way doors. You know, you can go through it and you can come back if you don't like the result, right? Instead of treating everything like a one-way door, mm -hmm. you start recognizing what these two-way two doors are and creating more of them, right? And cloud technology mm -hmm. is one of those things that empowers an organization to do that. You know, the people who don't like uh, transparency are the low performers, right? The people who have something to hide. And so um, maybe they will suffer a little bit, but maybe also they will change because now they'll have, you know, a, a reason to change. Right. So when you have this transparency, yeah. Okay. So the, so what about the bad performers? Let's think about them. Right. Even, um, you know, everybody deserves a, a, a fair shake and, 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 you know, we don't want to be, um, you know, uh, so, so let's, let's, you know, let's, 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 let's look at what's going on. Let's create a transparent environment so that those people have at least an incentive to do better. You know, it's funny if you look at, if you look at kind of, uh, the old, I consider it old. I know a lot of organizations are still doing, it, still doing it, traditional IT and data centers. It's almost like if you wanted to design a system to make people miserable in their jobs, you know, you couldn't come up with a better system, right? So what does that system do? That system, you know, it, it attracts people who like to hide in the shadows and don't want people to see what they're doing and be able to sleep at work or whatever they're doing, right? And when you change things, what does that do? It creates the opposite. So it creates an organization, you know, where... People who want to achieve great things, who want to try things, who want to experiment, who want to, um, who are ambitious and who want to uh, actually do things, it creates an environment that attracts them. And so we're talking before about kind of recruiting and, and retaining employees. Well, it's the cool thing about increasing transparency is that you disproportionately attract more of those people and disproportionately retain more of those people. So when you create a culture like that, it kind of raises the bar for everybody. I love that. Yeah, we even tried it in the Forrester office in San Francisco. We've got this office with a beautiful view of the Bay Bridge out, you know, two side, two sets of windows and a not so beautiful view for the, the other two corners. Um, and there are roughly four groups of different types of employees. So every couple of months, we pick up and rotate the office like a quarter degree counterclockwise. <laughs> Nobody, nobody has the great view for very long. <laughs> um, everybody has to pick themselves up and move every couple months. And of course, our first reaction to that was, blech, how disruptive is that? I have to get up and move every right. six months or every nine months. And what happens is you stand up and move and you say, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm, wow. I, I, I am. I can be portable. 
I can be elastic. I can try new things. Um, and it really did. It, it, we have no transparency. Um, and that, that seemed, but that goes to the second one is when you talk about encouraging good behaviors just by, by embracing a culture of experimentation, accountability. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happens that really kills job satisfaction is when you think no one else is being held accountable. Right for mistakes, right? Um, we, it's not really being, uh, you can look at it the negative way, right? Being accountable. If you're not held accountable for mistakes, that's just toxic, right? right? In culture, right? People have to have to take responsibility for them. Um, doesn't mean they get fired. It just means that we know who needs to improve. It's, it's the more positive version of accountability, which is, um, meeting commitments that I make, right? right? Yeah. Being, Absolutely. Keeping by my word. Even if it means I had to cut back quality by 10%, I met my deadline and I'm explaining to you what you're getting within this deadline. And then that becomes the new expectation that people are going to meet their deadlines, right? Is that an expectation today in traditional IT? I would say no. People expect IT to screw up. Probably not. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, historically, in a lot of organizations, that's how it's been. But I've seen organizations completely transform in terms, like in my own organization, for example. I'll I'll, I'll take the heat on this one. You know, um, we had to actually train the business to expect more from us because they were so used to us saying no. Like if they would come to us mid-year with a, a project. We'd say, you know, we could put that in next year's budget, right? But if you don't have budget, we're not doing it, right? right. right? So they're so used to that. And they're so used to us saying, look, if there was a market opportunity they wanted to capitalize on that was, you know, uh, they had to get it done in six weeks, they wouldn't even bother talking to us. So I had to convince people to come to us and say, look, you may not have budget, you may not have time, but challenge us, right? Because we have these new capabilities now with the cloud and we can do these things. So what's the worst that can happen? Ask us if we'll try it. If we don't do it, you know, worse off. But I had to really kind of get people fired up to kind of challenge me to expect more from me and my organization. And that actually, at the end of it, was the biggest challenge that I had. You would think it was uh, retaining all your employees that you retained and got certified in AWS, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was getting the business to expect more from me so that we could show off what our new capabilities were. It's, It's fantastic. It's almost like you were proving, you were saying, test me. Yes. Test me. Let me try to deliver something quickly and on time and, and, and test my skills doing that. Yep. Right. I'm willing, I might fail this time. I loved how you said the last time we talked about, um, the most successful companies fail a lot. I don't think people really still believe that. Um, but those of us that grew up in an early, so I was in an Tipco in the nineties, back when startup companies, you know, made money by selling products, not just raising money from VC. Um, but in the very early days, I can't tell you in the first four or five years how many products were pretty bad, right? And, and we, we, we all have stories like that when we were inside something that was, was moving quickly. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, but I think what we don't tell the story often enough is go out afterwards and say, you know, this wasn't complete genius from the beginning. <laughs> this was four out, four out of five things failed, well, right? And luckily, we, we, we could see the one that was succeeding, so we could drop the other ones. But I think the reason that people don't believe that is because good 
organizations who are good at this, they're very good at hiding those failures, right? And one of the ways you do that is kind of unintentionally, but you just make the, the consequences of your failures as low as possible, right? So like at Amazon, we fail constantly. I mean, I'll be the first one to say it. We're failing. Hey, maybe we're failing more than we're succeeding. You just don't see them because they're so quick and it's so inexpensive. Um, of course, there's the high profile failures that, that slip through every once in a while, but on a whole, you just see the successes. And so the kind of analogy I use- Well, I would actually- Mm, no, I was just going to say, like, everyone knows, I mean, you see, like, the cover of National Geographic, who is a great customer of ours, by the way, and you see this beautiful picture, right? And uh, you say, that photographer is a genius. How did he take that picture? Well, he probably is a genius, but you know what you don't know is there's 10,000 shots he threw away to get that shot, right? And so what I tell CIOs is, like, you should run IT like that. You should be taking shot. You should have, like, full auto mode on your camera, and you should be taking pictures constantly and just throw away the ones that don't work. I know you're not used to thinking this way because you'd have to buy, you know, a whole data center full of servers to do that in the old days, right? But now you, it's just a click of the button or even less than a click of the button, an API call that your developers make, and you can do that. And so you can literally have tens of thousands of tries before you get it right, just so the one that works and you'll look like a genius. I love it. That's a great explanation of genius in the modern technology era. Absolutely. I've, the same thing applies to writing. Hey, I write for a living. And sometimes I'll post something really pithy, you know, <laughs> on Twitter. Or, and, you know, somebody will say, do you edit before you write this stuff? And I, I kind of want to say no, but the answer is, of course I do. I obsess over it. I write it. I think about it. I take a shower. Yes. You know what? That means I'm failing 15 times at finding the pithy thing right. to say. And I think the camera example is if we could elaborate that, uh, we could take that example and have everyone just adopt that, mm -hmm. which is um, that if you want to become a brilliant photographer, take 5,000 pictures and find the ones that are great. Yes. And then the next time you might only have to take 3,000 right. and you'll, be get, you'll get a little bit better and your eye will improve, but you can only do it by trying it. Well, I think that's and see that that's a great point because I didn't even make that point and that's an even better point because like you take however many thousand to get the good one, but the next time you take that next shot you take, it's going to take it's going to require less. Or it's going to be better, right? Because you get better by trying. So you 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 fail constantly, you know, and 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 you know, organizations they, they struggle with this, right? Because uh, they hear this advice and it's just, oh, that doesn't apply to me. If I fail, then I'm fired, right? But no, it's it's about reducing that consequence of failure. And once you put that in place, fail as much as you can. And then the great ideas will come. And over time, the ideas will get even better and your failure rate will will get um, uh, less and less, right? You'll have more successes. doesn't mean you're not going to fail. You're still going to fail. If you're not failing, you're probably not trying hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Well, that goes to the last thing. We can end on efficiency because the third biggest cultural impact that we heard in the research is that the business has started trusting IT much more to deliver their projects on time and on budget when they're using cloud platforms than they ever were before. And I don't think that's because IT is getting cheaper. <laughs> I think it's because I think it's because it's it's directly tied to transparency. Mm -hmm. I agree. Definitely. We used to always say when people in the early days of software, 
in well, I shouldn't age myself, but in the early nineties, you know, every time we tried to sell um, a large software license to a company, they required us to do a business case to show how that using that software would save more money than they were spending on it in the first year. And we got to a point, especially because it was platform software and what is public cloud, but a platform when we had to say, Nope, <laughs> you're going to spend more money on technology by using our platform. We know you are, um, but you're going to be getting much more business benefit out of it you know, than, than you ever saw before. Um, so I think this comes down to the fact that people don't as much care about the net value of something increasing or decreasing as much as they care about not knowing how yes. much it's going to increase or decrease. Right. And then being just married to the consequences of that. Right. And you just got to free yourself from the consequences, which is really just kind of what I'm arguing for here. Right. You know, the thing about that analysis that all those companies do, they're wrong half the time. Right. So you spend however many months or years planning and then you're wrong. So what I'm saying is spend no time planning. Instead, set up a system to where you can afford to be wrong and you can recover quickly and inexpensively. And then I argue something that this takes sometimes uh, time to sink in with people, but you eliminate the planning completely because it's a waste of time, right? Mm. And that's why I say a day. And, a, and you know, I know a day in the cloud is worth more than a. Companies that run huge, huge shipping systems and huge logistic systems and airlines. You know, there are plenty of companies out there that listen to this and say, that's real cute if we're talking <laughs> about a new mobile app, right? That's cute if we're talking about a mobile app, but you know, we're designing airplanes. Um, or we're designing global logistics systems. And, and I think we have to get to a point where we start fostering just as much experimentation. I think the most successful um, companies are still experimenting. Maybe, maybe that doesn't mean you change the software in your airplane every three minutes, but it means you involve customers sooner and be as transparent as possible. Absolutely. And by the way, those airlines and those logistic companies are big AWS customers, right? So I think we just do a better job of telling their story. And I think, you know, when it clicks with people is when you talk, and this is why I love talking about our customers' successes, is because it's not theoretical anymore. Somebody's actually doing it, right? And so you remember it and you understand it when it's, uh, you know, tied to something real. And so the more we can tell those stories, the better, because it helps other people have ideas on how they can transform their organizations and be more like that. Because let's face it, look, they are, the big airline companies are, using cloud. They are using agile. They are uh, getting better at what they do and they are minimizing the cost of failure. They're not putting failures into production systems, right? That's not how you do it. There's a, there's a, there's a method to this. There's skill to this. You don't go at, at haphazardly. You understand the concepts and then you implement it in such a way where it reduces your, your, your failures that are public, right? So all those failures are supposed to be behind the scenes no consequences. And the net result is that you have far less failures that people see. That's a great point. I've really enjoyed this conversation. These last three podcasts, if you pull it together, what's fun about this is it brings us up to really sort of celebrating the impact that cloud has had on all aspects of company culture and sort of unleashing this this new wave of power to innovate, right? We're, we're, we're giving people the 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 you know, emotional comfort, the, the, the corporate support, um, the transparency, and the automations they need to sort of unleash a new wave of creativity. And I think that's really, um, we'll look back on this and see that that's really what the public cloud era unleashed. It's exciting times for innovation. sure. Yes.
Well, Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. I hope we get to do it again soon. Me too. Maybe we'll do it in person. Thanks everyone for joining us. Yes. Thanks guys. Till next time.